You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 125. Today is Thursday, December 28th. A belated Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Happy holidays to all. Uh, we are just about to turn the corner on the new year, which of course means that fantasy baseball prep picks up drastically. And uh, that's what we're looking at today is draft prep, especially around uh, drastic risers for ADP. And very excited to get into it. Joined as always by Steve Giswelli. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, happy holidays, man. Um, I'm in my camp getting ready for my home league annual banquet where we do trophies, talk rules. Starts getting real this time of year, man. Uh, very excited to be back on the mic with you. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I, I did a good job. I, I held out on drafts until the new year, but now Same. that we're, what, three days away, um, uh, I'm just about ready for it, and what better way um, to get into it than to like do our first ADP um, episode? Um, and we have a, we have a good sample here too. Um, there's been a bunch of drafts. There's a lot of draft champions. Um, we didn't use this for the data set, but you know that guillotine league, um, we basically just draft you know a roster, no bench, no moves, things like that. Yeah. So th- there, there's a good sample. Um, it's not like we're doing this and when there's been like five drafts, so we, we can really dig into it and start to have some some meaningful takeaways. And I also think that this is like a good indication for the way the market moves. You know, if a guy moves four or five picks in either direction, um, unless there's some like meaningful news or a change or a trade, mm-hmm. um, they're probably going to creep in that direction and, and slowly um, creep up or down one way or another as, as more drafts happen. Cause that's just like the market trends and there's a lot of sharps that do drafts early and they kind of set the ADP. Um, yeah. I know great Rasball always says like, at the, and it's tongue in cheek and kind of jokes about it in his write-ups that, you know, uh, this guy's mispriced because some, you know, Joe Schmo and drafted him at pick 200 and, and, October and that's the ADP and sometimes that's the case, <laughs> but um, you know you can kind of if you, if you look at it with this through this lens um, and see the way the market's moving, there's there's some advantages that you could play um, and you know you know where you may have to bump a guy or if you could wait around um, because They're slowly falling. but surely yeah people's guys are going to um, you know guys are going to take shots at their guys so. Uh, you need to be mindful of the way that the market's trending on, on, on players that you like or dislike. For sure. And I think we'll spend more time on the risers. We've got a little bit of a laundry list on the, the other side of that, the ADP fallers that might offer a little bit of a, a discount uh, in your draft rooms. But yeah, it's a good level set, Steve, because this is a show topic that we could probably come back to in March, and we usually do. As we're looking at like spring training, lineup context, playing time, you know, uh, even interviews and reports from the clubhouses of, you know, guys that are, have improved this or added a new pitch. So the ADP will shift with more, 
I guess, practical or, or tangible things, but this is more like the ADP trends based off of industry trend setting, like you said. Like this is almost the byproduct, I don't want to sound negative, but almost the byproduct of groupthink a little bit. Like once, you know, uh, everyone's out there for first pitch Arizona, we, you know, Soon enough, we find out that both Eno and Nick Pollock love Bobby Miller. And oh, what a surprise, his ADP is on the rise. Things like that is what I kind of view this as. But beyond that, I mean, it's really just the earliest of hot stove and some, you know, I guess the dust settling on last season, if there were any big trends that came out. But am I missing anything or would you agree with that kind of level set? I I think I agree. And and I think it's useful to look at this data before like main events happen and TGFBI and all of the, you know, rush of draft season, because in those leagues, those are the leagues that people care a lot about. Not that, you know, people don't Mm -hmm. care about draft champions or or drafts that they do now, but it's inside draft season. Guys are going to take their shot on players and skew ADP one way or the other. And, you know, um, once sleepers become, wide awake sleepers to quote Paul Spore or Fangraphs, um, the the new ADP sort of is there. Here you're court, sort of catching it before that and just seeing a bit of a trend, which is um, to get into the details of our topic, looking at um, ADP from October 1st to November 15th and then comparing it to ADP from November 15th to today, which we're recording this on the 26th of December, um, you kind of can see smaller trends and get ahead of them and use this information for your drafts that are coming up in the new year and heading into full-blown draft season. So it kind of is like, a, you know, it's it's doing prep work for it. It's doing prep work for the way that the market is going to move. So it, I think it is useful to, to look at that. And also, um, it just so happened that the data sets for, for the ADP um, using draft champions, there were twenty drafts um, between. Yeah, I saw this uh, October and November fifteenth, and then nineteen from November fifteenth to the twenty sixth of December. So, um, a nice even data set to compare to um, for for ADP, which is good. Very balanced. Yeah, love it. Well, we got names, so let's jump in. And Steve, we're starting with some bats, and then we have a lot of pitchers to talk about. Uh, but the first one, the Giants finally get their guy in, in Jung-Hoo Lee, 25-year-old Japanese outfielder. Uh, if you guys haven't seen highlights or kind of read the book on him, 60 hit tool and a 60 speed. The six-year, 113 mil deal. The Giants might not be done in the offseason. I know that they've kind of been, they lost out on Otani, things like that. But Lee, now that he's got a landing spot, we've seen the ADP jump here quite a bit, which obviously that is going to happen when somebody signs with the team. But the ADP moved from 397 to 281, uh, which is still really affordable. I mean, when you when you look at like a 12-teamer, a that's what, a, I guess, 20, tw- late tw- 20th round. So this should continue to rise up. His min pick is a 157. Uh, but yeah. Lee's got an interesting little combination of uh, a plus contact tool. Uh, his projection with Steamer is to, to hit 291 and then 12 homers, nine steals. I think that's on the conservative side. Uh, but, you know, he should lead off for the Giants. That's where he's at on roster resource right now. Are you interested at all? And do you think this continues to climb up and up 
knowing that outfield has kind of a shallow nature to it. Um, I, I'm definitely interested, um, and I don't think the price is too unreasonable, um, even at now these inside pick. 300 at pick 281 and sure yeah um that that may only go up especially if he starts to hit in spring training um and it it is pretty amazing that he is projected for a 291 average but i see it like in the kbo he never hit below 318 which was last year um like there's usually at 366 355 360 355 333 um 349 like he has just always 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 hit for a good average um the pop wasn't there except for really 2022 when he had 23 homers he had 15 in 2020 so i'm really not sure um if there is going to be any of those home like if there's going to be any meaningful homers as far as fantasy value or, or even steals especially with that stadium steals yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, but hey that, that that stadium could be could be helpful for for doubles and for average too um you know uh, there's there's some videos i mean i did see some videos of him i think he hit a grand slam off of yamamoto i mean that's the exciting part with yeah. the dodgers getting yamamoto like a rivalry's already born because lee has faced yamamoto and done plenty of damage in the past against him so yeah, lefty sweet swing, um, but yeah, you're right. He would kind of have to find the power to, you know, be something more than like a, I don't know what prime Michael Brantley. Maybe he had a little bit more pop. Yeah, uh, than yeah. what we're talking about here. I mean, Brantley was like a in his prime, like you know, a twenty five fantasy all star. You know, like top end player in those peak years. So I don't know if that, but maybe like a. I, I don't know, like um, to to use his 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 teammate like a like a Hunter Pence sort of, uh, or you know his, a former Giant Hunter Pence is maybe uh, an upside like you know low teens homers, um, decent average. Um, just to use a comparison, I think this may be causing some of the inflation on his price with how good of a year that Ha Seung Kim uh, just had, and he came over from the same league in the KBO. Um, mm-hmm. He had averages all around 300 um, in the KBO, um, you know, 290, 300, 307, 306. And this year was his best year for batting average at 260. Obviously, there's a different hit tool and they're different players, but um, mm-hmm. coming from the same league, um, you know, uh, it, there is going to be a step up and a drop off in batting average. And also, you know, it really took Kim basically two full years to like fully break out. You know, he was decent in 2022, but it was more of a, in a role, you know, maybe you, maybe you had him on your roster for a year for a week or or two uh, during a hot stretch. If you needed a a stolen base or something, it took him three years to fully break out. And he really fully break out because he stole 38 bases. Um, Yeah. The 17 homers along with it made him extremely fantasy relevant, but it still was just a 749 OPS. Um, a 112 WRC plus, um, you know, uh, so it may take, it may take a, w- a while, um, mm-hmm. even though Lee is, um, a bit younger, um, now, um, Kim came over at 25 too, which is, which is interesting. So, um, 
I, I don't mind it. I like it as a flyer. Um, if it gets anywhere closer to like the 200 pick range, I may be out. But I see why um, he, he is a riser um, and, 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 you know, should get full playing time and ample opportunity um, for the Giants considering the, their offense isn't that great and they'll need him to produce. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty optimistic. I think I like this profile a little, a little bit more. Um, but if this can be 12 and, and he runs more than the nine steals he's projected for, like I love that Steamer's projecting the 291 out of the gate and he's set yeah. to lead off like with 60 speed or 60 grade speed. Uh, like the, the runs, he's got projected 83 runs in just 133 games. So if he plays more than that, you know, that's always such an underrated fantasy stat. And it's not like I'm saying this guy's going to be a world beater, but right now, like the ADP, like we're looking at is 280. And even with his little line chart on, on NFBC, like right now it's kind of hovering around 240, 226, 236. Like at that point, you're kind of looking at that OF four or five. And I think it could be, could be you could be non-zero do a lot worse. type of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. could do a lot worse. And just real quick to, to go back to the, the Haas Young Kim comparison, they're both 50 future values uh, at their prospect grades over on Fangraphs. But um, Haas Young Kim's hit tool was 40 current, uh, 50 future. Um, Jung Ho Lee's is, uh, Lee's is 60, 70. So the hit tool is graded better by scouts. Um, and his okay. speed is also better. So Haas Young Kim was 55, 55. Jungle Lee is 60 60. So. What's, the, what's the power grade on um, Lee? Power grade is 30 40 for game power. Raw power, um, 45 40 45. Um, mm-hmm. Kim's was like a, a grade better. He was 45 45 game power, okay. 50 50 power. So, so the best case for this, best case looks like probably like 15, 15 plus homers, 30 steals. Uh, yeah, if he somehow, if he somehow runs. Yeah, because uh, because Ha Sung Kim did run in the KBO like he had 28 steals, 33 steals one year. Um, okay. Jung Ho Lee's never had more than um, 13 and he was caught seven times. But hey, with the with the new rules um, and the pitch clock with runners on base being shortened even more for next year, um, maybe that that's something that you could take advantage of. Right. I mean, Ha Sung yeah. Kim didn't run too, too much his first two years, then exploded for 38 last year. So uh, it could happen. And there there is a lot of ways that Jung Ho Lee could be fantasy relevant all year long. And I, I like it as a flyer and see why, or not a flyer, but Manoa 4 or 5, and, and see mm-hmm. why his ADP is creeping up. Love it. Well, another outfielder that we're excited to, to watch next season, Jackson Churio, is one that comes with uh, substantial buzz heading into draft season, and the ADP is reflecting that. In the earlier sample, it was a pick 212, and now it's up to pick 161 in the past four or five weeks. So Churio is is just surging up draft boards, and the min pick on him was pick 109. This is a 19 or 20-year-old, uh, 19-year-old outfielder for the Brewers, number one prospect in their organization. Uh Great power speed threat. His his projections, a, a 253 average, 17 homers, 16 steals in just 128 games. Uh, but yeah, the, the Brewers know what they got here and they're excited about it. He's slated to hit six, but he could move up if this works out. Um, 
it's just this is kind of the classic high risk, high reward pick, right, Steve? And uh, the guy could go out and be 25, 25, 30, 30, even if like everything goes right. It's just that's a big if. Um, he's been kind of at the top of prospect boards for a long time. I saw him play in Peoria against the Chiefs. Fun fact. Uh, but yeah, this one, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough call. It doesn't feel like coming off our exercise last show where we looked at like auction calculators and they were kind of fading some of those speed uh, specific guys and and the calculator was favoring ones who were projected out at like a hundred homer or hundred homers, hundred runs, hundred RBIs. I wonder if Churio, if the hype is going to get a little too pricey for me to jump in, but it's an exciting player nonetheless. What are your thoughts on Jackson Churio? I love taking flyers on top end prospects around this range, like you know the Julio Rodriguez pre pick pre when he was pick a hundred um, mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two when he was going around this range, like around pick two hundred, and like looking back, it was like wow, in in, in early March, you know, um, you got a top ten fantasy player at pick two hundred, right? There's a Kellenic um, too, though, and a Jordan yeah, there's, Walker. There's a Kellenic you know? too, um, but honestly, Kellenic was going a little bit higher than that, right? Like the hype was, you know, out of control on him. Um, me leading that charge, um, but things were a little different there because Julio Rodriguez had that amazing um, spring, and he also wasn't a sure thing to make the team um, in early uh, early March. Churio just signed that extension and it essentially is has made the team right with uh, with with the major league contract and extension already in place uh, in Milwaukee. So some of this ADP um, bump is definitely due to that contract and the fact that it's assumed that he is going to have a starting role um, from day one. Um, so really, there's no place for him to go other than up if he does anything good in spring training, right? Um, and as much as I like Jackson Churio as a prospect, um, and as much as I like the steamer projection of 17 homers, 16 steals with a 253 average, I think there may be just some growing pains. We saw him kind of go through it a bit Um in, in early in the year in 2023, I know he picked it up and ended up with an OPS above 800 um, at Double A, but there was some struggles. Um, there may be some struggles at first on the major league level. He'll be 20 by the time um, um, the season starts, but I'm I, I'm all over it if he's if he's at pick 160. If it creeps up towards pick 100, uh, I, I may be looking at other you know, needs and, and filling out sort of that, uh, that position yeah. cliff and, 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 and filling out my roster, um, rather than taking an upside shot on a prospect that very well could be awesome, but may not be worth it at that, at that price, especially considering how difficult it is to fill all those positions across the board. Like we talked about last episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm still kind of, I don't know. Uh, the, the Brewers a time or two have really let me down on development of guys I was excited about. Um, even this going one's back supposed to, to be different though, right? Yeah, it is for but sure. I but it, I, I, yeah, I just hope it, it turns out that way. And I agree. It, like exactly what you said, if it's one sixty, 
even 150 range, I can justify that. But like 109, that's such a rich part of the the pitching pool that I just wouldn't bother mm-hmm. picking anybody that has this many question marks. Um, even with, again, like if you plugged in those projections, which look pretty nice, a 253, 17, and 16 with like 120 favorably runs in RBIs, at least on that projection, um, that's not that valuable on the auction calculator. So to, to grab that in like the seventh, eighth round. Um, if he we'll meets see. those projections and he's in, being drafted as your OF3, that's great. If it's your OF2, and those are the projections, and that's you're falling that's, behind. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit behind. So yeah, because other it's guys a fi- are getting it's a fine line. Yeah, two hundred runs in RBIs. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving along to someone who should get better runs in RBIs, Heimer Candelario. This one has my attention, Steve, in that uh, old man boring squad kind of way, where Candelario's ADP prior to signing with the Reds was two eighty three, and then two forty one in the past five weeks. Uh, that's got a min pick of a 176, uh, but Candelario is kind of interesting in in just the the ballpark context with the Reds, their offense in general. As long as they don't do so much mixing and matching, because it seems like they've got a lot of mouths to feed there. But in 2023, we saw 251 average, 22 homers, eight RBI or 22 homers, eight steals, 77 runs, 70 RBIs. So just very productive. And the Reds have, have backed him here with a three-year, 45-mil contract. He's got eligibility at both of the corners, slated to hit fourth in that lineup. And, yeah, his projections have him batting 250, 21 homers, uh, really underrated counting stats with the 71 runs, 78 RBIs. And I think there's more pop in Candelario's bat, especially in Great America, than 21 homers. Like, I think he could be more like... You know, if everything breaks right, he could be a 30-homer guy, uh, you know, be around average on on the hit tool and then give you really good counting stats. So not saying I, I love the, the player in a vacuum, but in terms of like a value pick or like one of those best ball teams where you need some production, I think Candelario is kind of sneaky here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I like it. Talk about like the quietest 117 WRC plus 22-homer season um from a position that was relatively shallow um you know i guess a couple of the fact that he spent most of the year on a on a pretty bad team um and then mm-hmm. with the Nats i think it was, I think it was a, a, yep. a, a a pretty strong second half too um if i remember um correctly but there's always been um something to like about heimer candelario um, you know, back in 2021, it was like a, a ama- uh, you know, not amazing, but really good stat cast page. You know, the, the expected stats were really good. Um, he had a really good 2022 season too, um, which was the shortened year, but, um, you know, he had 872 WRC plus, um, uh, it was just 52 games, but, uh, you know, backed it up with a, with a 795 OPS in, in 2021. And we all know, how tough of a ballpark Detroit is to hit and what that does to power. Um, like look at Nick Castellanos, what it did to him in his prime, uh, where he, you know, was basically always like a high teens, low twenties homers. And then 
got traded to the Cubs, fittingly Dude, enough. Dude, he's, he's uh, following the same path yeah, and then to the, path, Reds. Then to the and, Reds. And, and, yeah, and that's is, when Castellanos kind of took off is yeah. when he went with the Reds. And so. he was a little older, too, and the hype kind of fell off of him. Totally. I, I really like it. Um, I think that this is a great, great, like, oh, poop, like, I need a third baseman um, mm-hmm. option. Yes. Um, that could if you pay miss off out on everyone, really well. yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, um, and, and you shouldn't be fighting over people for him, probably just because everyone's kind of you know the name's been around there so long. There should be a little bit of buzz because of the ballpark, but I think you can pretty easily wait until pick 100, uh, or I'm sorry, pick 200 for in most drafts for Candelario. So, so his expected homers by park. Um, Cincinnati was number one. He would have had 30 homers if uh, the player, you know, um, if he played all of his games in, in Cincinnati. So, yeah, um, this is this is an NFBC one for sure. Like some of those deeper leagues, I, I just want guys like this. I, I know we talked about it a lot. We talked about it last week with, for, uh, for your Lu- draft and holds. Yeah, yeah, give me, like give me Lu- all the Heimer Candelarios. Yeah, right. Our, our our guy for it that we we keep bringing up is the JP Crawford because he was so valuable. But it's just the volume, and we talked about it last week with a guy like Luis Renjifo who came in big on the auction calculator relative to his draft price. And that's where exactly the type of guy that Candelario will be. So I like that kind of boring old man squad type of uh, value here for Candelario, even though it's not going to be one you're you're targeting for ceiling necessarily. But there might be some some sneaky ceiling with that ballpark. So we will get to uh, pitchers, and we've got a handful of exciting pitchers to talk through, many which we have never talked about, Steve. So excited about that. But first, we have to talk about factor meals. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy, healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up and get Factor's fresh, never frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Head to factormeals.com slash WAF50 and use code WAF50 to get 50% off. That's code WAF50 at factormeals.com slash WAF50 to get 50% off. All right, Steve, uh, it's time to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. If I'm saying, am I saying that right on the first name? I don't know if he goes by Yoshi. Okay, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. uh, Very, very exciting and and somehow in the shadows a little bit of Shohei Otani, but was more the one-two punch. Uh, the 12-year, $325 million contract for the 25-year-old Yamamoto. So he should be there until he is 37. Quick math there. Part of this Dodgers splash to build out the rotation. And a lot to be excited about here. Uh, despite the age, he's projected for 184 innings. He throws six pitches. There is a great, great uh Twitter thread or X thread. If you guys want to go out, Josh Gessner did this. It's at Gessner, G-E-S-S-N-E-R, Josh. 
And this great kind of uh, breakdown on Twitter of Yamamoto's stuff, kind of how he approaches things. But it was fascinating to read. And, and he talked about how Yamamoto started throwing javelins as part of his process, actual javelins to get into the rhythm of throwing with his entire body. There was a mention that it helped with elbow pain, which gave a little bit of concern there, but not trying to read too much into it. Most importantly, that he has a six-pitch repertoire. And yeah, elite command. This is a guy that uh, pretty much will walk in and be an all-star, or at least should be competing at that all-star level, possibly challenging for Cy Young. Like, this is an ace. So Yamamoto's ADP has climbed from 87 up to 66. So he is right in the mix with a lot of those pitchers we love and right in the mix. Steve, for your SP1s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are you going to have Yamamoto shares? Is this a WAF guy? I am going to have Yamamoto shares. Um, I missed out on Senga shares last year. I know it was a, a, a depressed price, um, but the writing was on the wall for, for Senga to be sort of, you know, a high-end SP2, low-end SP1. Um, you know, maybe that's because I'm a bit higher on him and I, I know there's some warts with the walks, but I think Yamamoto can be this, be that without the walks too. Um, so I, I look at this as an SP1 being drafted at like an SP1.5, 2 price, even at the ADP of 66. Um Sure, I liked it a lot better when it was pick 87, but um, I'm still in and I'm comfortable having Yamamoto as my, my first pitcher on my team. I know that's um, not the most popular strategy, and, and I'm definitely um, you know one of the last guys always to draft a pitcher in the room. Um, but with that, um, I think that... You know, and if you do get him as your SP2, like that's not a wrong strategy too. I think you'll just have right. two really good pitchers on your team, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is the area that we've been preaching all off off season from a process standpoint that we wanted to hammer this area of starting pitching, whether it's your first or your second or however you want to do it. Yamamoto is very exciting. I love to see that the projections had the 184 innings because that's with that big of a contract, age 25, I, that's my biggest concern which his teammate, Bobby Miller, his projected innings are a little bit lower. I know Nick doesn't really buy it, um, but I want volume with that investment, right? And then knowing that Yamamoto has the command, I mean, this is like, you know, Kirby with a little bit better stuff with the Dodgers lineup. And, and uh, you know, he's got Kershaw and Shohei Otani in his clubhouse. Like, what what better pitching advice would you want right there? So... I like it as well. I think uh, I'm going to buy in. I am curious. I don't have it in front of me, but I can find out on MinPick for Yamamoto because it's probably one of those. Okay, 32 is the MinPick. So he's going to be a pretty buzzy name for sure. Uh, if we play chicken, Steve, like how early would you, um, across all your drafts, like would you go in the 60s? So what? That's probably like. Uh, so that would be what? Like fifth the round. fifth round fifth would round. be just just ending. Um. Yeah, I could see taking a picture at the end of the fifth, early sixth round. Um, okay. In a lot of leagues, so I, I'm I'm good with that. Um, I wouldn't go earlier, not because I don't like him, but I, because I'm probably not taking a picture just yet. Okay. 
Yeah, and just pulling up his uh, line chart here on NFBC. His most recent drafts, oh boy, 46, 48, 35, 32. There's a 50, 50. This is going to go up, man. Yeah, those. That, I mean, that's all around his his signing though, right? So... You think it'll maybe cool there's off a, a bit, bit of a, a of a you know when when the news isn't fresh that he signed with the Dodgers um, drop back too. But hey, you never know. Uh, these starting pitchers always seem to be on a upward trend as far as how early they go in drafts um, as we get into the thick of things um, for fantasy mm-hmm. baseball season. Did not see that he was five foot eight though. That is one of the shorter like him and Nestor Cortez maybe. Uh, that's very uncommon for a pitcher that good to be that short. I see him so. listed at five ten on Fangraphs, but hey, uh, you know you can never really trust uh, the the listed heights. But okay, where is yeah. it five eight? Is it on the uh, on, on NFC? Interesting. Okay, yeah. okay. I wonder what uh, what he is on the Dodgers team side. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, well, yeah. Let me just make sure I'm on the right thing here. Yeah, yeah, she might be. We got oh okay I mean according to Google we got five foot ten so maybe okay. maybe the five eight was uh, yeah without shoes on or something I don't know <laughs> I got nothing uh, well let's talk let, let's shift over to another pitcher we have yet to see that has not signed which is Shota Imanaga um, Imanaga has been reported. Uh, I'll correct to... you on this one, Imanaga, yes. uh, just because I know. Oh, that it is Ima... Imanaga. Imanaga. Um, at least that's the way Eno says it. I know he is also, um, or Eno Saris at the Athletic says it, um, but he is very familiar with him. Uh, he's talked about him for years now. Um, I know he's not the best with with names and. Um, and the, uh, well, the funniest one of all time yeah. was when 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 Paul Spore called him out. They were crying, laughing together about the TJ Antone, <laughs> and Eno was calling him like TJ TJ, like like it was French. And, yeah. and Paul like made him say it. Like I remember walking my dog, like crying, laughing, listening yeah. to that. But yeah. yes, I'll tell you how it's spelled: I M A N A G A. If you guys yep. have not done done the research, but. Uh, Imanaga is is on the rise as well with the ADP 263 that's climbed up to 234 on the, the more recent poll that we did. The min pick was 202. So this is a much less pricey investment on your draft capital. Uh, but a 30-year-old compared to the 25-year-old with Yamamoto. Uh, again, he's reported to visit teams after the new year. I've just seen some clamoring, Steve. The Yankees are talking a lot about him uh, for good reason. The Mets uh, just thought with the Jays missing out on Shohei and the Cardinals still talking about making uh, or, or looking for one more pitcher. And I believe uh, Lars Newtbar has has a relationship there as well. So uh, we'll see on, on Monica. But this, in terms of what we're looking at, I kind of got some Jordan Montgomery Type of vibes with the, around a 25% K rate, 6% walk rate. Um, he's projected for a, around 150 innings. Uh, they've got him at a 384 ERA. So this definitely seems like someone who you're not going to be dropping and seeing on the waiver wires, uh, but somebody who's a little bit more rounding out your rotation. Uh, your thoughts on Amonaga, Steve, and if you're – Still in on uh, on the investment as long as it doesn't climb too high as it currently is at two thirty four. I'm absolutely in at this price, and even if it does get a little bit higher, I'm I'm still in. I think um, 
you know, with the hype of Otani signing with the Dodgers and Yamamoto and it being a decent free agent pitching class. Otherwise, like, you know, Snell still has to sign. Montgomery, like you mentioned, um, as a comparison, still has to sign. Um, and the fact that he's a little bit older um, is sort of uh, a consolation prize to Yamamoto, I think, yeah. is is depressing his price a little bit. And I think he is better than what he is given credit for. He had the best stuff plus of, of any pitcher with, I think, like, you know, a minimum of... 25 pitches thrown or something at the World Baseball Classic um, when Eno had those numbers run. Um, so his stuff is really, really good. And I think he could provide, you know, um, SP3, uh, maybe if, you know, everything goes right, SP2 values. So I love it at this pick and will definitely have a lot of shares if it hovers around, even up to pick 100, 200 if he... If and when he does sign, like, you know, it, I'm sure that, that there'll be a boost once he does land with a major league team, right? Especially if it's a good team, if it's a pitcher-friendly environment. Um, I'm sure that ADP will only go up. Like, it goes up when anybody signs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even, mm-hmm. like, the role players. So um, I'd imagine that probably will creep to at least pick 200, maybe inside the top 200. But even then, I think you it's... There's always a buy. There's always an opportunity when there's a, a a major league ready pitcher that doesn't have major league, you know, numbers behind it that we could project off of that we we can look at. Um, you know, um, it it kind of happens all the time to varying degrees of hype. Like, um, you know, uh, it, it reminds me of like when Tanaka came over and he was like a, you know. ADP 100, uh, 120, uh, his first first few years, uh, first year yeah. when he came over. And, like, you know, I know he had TJ that year or tore his, uh, um, his, uh, he never had the surgery, but he had the, the injured UCL and that sort of sh- turned it off, turned, shut his first season short. But he was mm-hmm. also like the best pitcher in the majors, or at least, you know, the best fantasy value pitcher, um, because of the fact that he just didn't have a major league track record, but everything sort of showed that he would be good. I think Amonaga, despite being a little bit older than some of these guys, um, still has all the tools uh, when, when he does officially sign with the team. Yeah, and if you guys want to check out more, I know we cited a lot last season. Lance Brozdowski on Twitter. X is a great follow, at Lance Broz, B-R-O-Z. Uh, just put up a, a video doing kind of a full breakdown uh, on on Imanaga, and yeah, the the he's got the sweeper, he's got a split finger. Um, but anyway, we'll be we'll be talking about him a lot. It'll be once he signs, it'll come a lot more clear. And I also don't know why I would I would want to challenge why that inning threshold is at one forty eight. If he's at age thirty, you would think he's kind of worked up to a, a bigger workload especially if Yamamoto five years his junior is projected for another 35 innings on top of that. So uh, yeah, more, more to dig in on, but Steve getting to players we're more familiar with in, in terms of the ADP climbers, uh, Corbin Carroll is one you kind of talked about early in the rounds that Corbin Carroll and Mookie Betts have in a way flip flopped. Uh, just want to hear your perspective on that. Honestly, from our last shows exercise where we saw that speed doesn't quite give you the dollar value boost, at least in five by five, like Roto leagues. 
I'm actually in my in my mind moving the opposite way with Corbin Carroll, but maybe that's maybe that's uh, premature. The 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 industry is saying otherwise, right? Yeah, um, I did an interesting thing on the sheet, and I, I could share it. I could share like a, a read only version um, in the show notes, um, but just you know comparing ADP and it has a few lookup formats. But I added a, a percentage change, which basically took the percentage of where their ADP was and the difference between the picks um, over the two months and then just made a percentage out of that. Um, so as opposed to like looking at, you know, a, a raw number change for like Nick Anderson of moving 227 picks, which is, which is relevant because um, there may be some, some closer news there now that he's in Kansas city. Um, mm-hmm. But it also gives you like the fact that Corbin Carroll has the, um, you know, sixth highest percentage change as far as moving from like ADP 5.95 to ADP 4.32. It, it just caught my eye. Um, and it's like, wow, um, th- this is trending towards more of a top three, four pick rather than, um, you know, uh, a, a pick. Um, yeah, like mid back yeah. part of that first yeah. round. I think the glob exactly. he goes to like exactly. 11, ten or eleven. Yeah, his his max pick in November was eleven. His max pick in December was seven. So Ooh. he's not making it past the the, the middle of the second the first round, um, which is interesting. Um, you know, I know there was concern about the shoulder, um, and he was good in the playoffs, and and um, you know. It seems like it held up. I'm still a little bit hesitant because of that, but that also shows me that hey, yeah, he had 25 homers, but there was like a month and a half where he basically was hitting like one or two or three. Like the power wasn't there essentially um, the whole season, so, right? Yeah. So if it is there the whole season, like, is it a? Are we talking about like you know a, a 35, 60 season potentially? Yeah. Like that's a big difference. So I see both sides of it, but I also don't know. Like, who would you like? Would you rather have Mookie Betts or, or Corbin Carroll? So I was just going to. So Corbin Carroll, I wanted to peek at the projections on him. So they've got him for uh, twenty six homers, 42, 42 steals. Cannot talk today. Uh, Two seventy three average, and then one hundred and four runs, eighty four RBIs. So they so they like the power, which is encouraging because where I feel like it's the bottom's not going to fall out. But if Corbin Carroll is only like a twenty homer guy, and he ends up stealing forty bases, forty steals is is not uh, it's just not what it used to be, right? Um, there's a lot of steals coming from a lot of different places, which is exactly not to sound like a broken record. What the auction calculator is kind of devaluing steals for. Um, so I'm trying to pay attention to that because it's so easy for us to, our eyes light up about the steals total shift over to Mookie. He's got a 33 homer. So he's got to beat there. Uh, the average is a little bit higher at a 279, but we know Mookie's got, you know, the, the ability to go out and hit 300 plus. I think that's a better bet on average than Carroll is. And then the main thing is the runs and RBIs for Mookie is, you know, 215, 210, where Corbin Carroll's looking more like 180. And again, that is what 
the auction calculator is saying the runs and RBIs matters more than like 15 steals, 20 steals even. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's unpopular and it's not the sexy answer, but I think I would go Mookie over over Corbin Carroll. Um, and then the the injury factor, like you brought up, is just there too. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I get it, but I just personally uh, would still lean Mookie over over Corbin Carroll. And like we talked about last show, I like Bobby Witt more. I think I would go Witt, Julio, and Carroll in that three pack, which inevitably will be grouped together, right? Because they're all kind of the young, surging ones that that offer power and speed. I think I go Betts just based on the second base eligibility. Yeah, that's um, a great. That's point. huge. Um, and I also just like Betts's lineup context better. Um, I know Arizona's doing cool things and props to them for going for it and Ed and, and trying to get better after making the World Series rather than like sitting back on their laurels. Um, but I, I like the, the odds for Betts to get to like 200 runs plus RBIs a little bit more than, than, than Carroll, even though Carroll did have 116 runs last year. Um, really good stuff from him. Um, and, you know, um, if there's anyone that's going to add on that excess value for speed, it's like Acuna and, and Carroll. Like, that's kind of right. it. So right. it's close, but I think I would lean bets. Yeah, for sure. It, nonetheless, it's it's worth tracking the trend because, like you said, this will be the, you know, the the – the pattern will ultimately emerge for whatever happens in March. It's going to be pretty much chalky of, yeah. you know, Acuna first. Ca- and then Carol, yeah, and this is also Carroll's rookie year, right? Like, I think, like, because he came up in, in the end of 2022 and kind of was this, it, you know, it was already assumed that he'd be awesome. Like, he was a, what, a top four-round pick, top 50 pick yeah, um, yeah. last year. That's kind of lost in the shuffle that he just put up a 868, 25-homer, 54-steal rookie season <laughs> incredible I know, I know it's like is there a sophomore slump or is this guy just going to turn into like you know the mount rushmore of of fantasy so uh, yeah it's it'll be interesting to to break it down but yeah he's he's tantalizing when you watch the actual games it, like how he can move from first to home like that run total isn't an accident and you're right there's probably a, a big big ceiling that you can debate with Corbin Carroll versus Mookie. So uh, we've got pitchers to talk about, Steve, that uh, are very much on our radar. Their ADP is on the move. We'll talk about it, but we got to take an ad break. We'll be right back. All right. One that I'm sad to bring up, Steve, because Pablo Lopez is one that I was really hoping would be an SP1 for a lot of my teams. And the ADP price is starting to look... A little too rich for my blood. It was a 55 ADP. That's music to my ears. It was a 55 (laughs) ADP, and now uh, in the most recent poll, it's moved up to 41 with a min pick of 28. So early third round for Pablo Lopez. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he showed us the the strikeout stuff last year. Uh, 10.8. K per nine uh, all through last season. He showed us volume two years in a row after we were kind of worried about that for a while in Miami. Uh, Last year, 194 innings pitched. They've got him projected out at 193 over at Steamer. Um, And with that is 
Let's see. The ERA projections are a 352, and they've got them projected for 215 strikeouts. So I get it, man. I just don't know that uh, I can pick him. I mean, that's almost ahead of Kevin Gossman territory. And regardless, probably too soon for where I want to jump in. Uh, I would rather wait and get a Yamamoto, for example. But uh, your thoughts on Pablo Lopez? I feel like this, the writing was on the wall. And then with Nick Pollock singing his praise, I'm sure that has influenced a little bit. But everyone knows Pablo Lopez is a beast. Uh, what do you think about this? I think uh, that's what I was about to say. I think this might be the Nick Pollock bump. Um, he had that awesome... Um, breakdown with him i think they just released it on the pictureless podcast feed on christmas uh, a great christmas gift that um nick and pablo lopez sat down and broke down every single one of his pitches um from a start this year so it was absolutely awesome check it out on youtube or uh, or the podcast version if you want to see it over on the the pictureless feed on, on the on the corner uh episode or i think it might have been uh the talking pitching feed uh, but regardless it's on the it's on the the main pictureless podcast feed um and also on youtube which is cool because you could watch the start too i'd recommend watching it on youtube and actually see how um they discussed the start um it was really really cool yeah i have Uh, not seen that yet i can't wait it is awesome it is absolutely awesome um and it only makes me like pablo lopez more so yeah this is a bit heartbreaking for me that he is going out of my range and being drafted as like a top 10 pitcher like like he sort of should be, like he was, like he's projected to be. Um, I think it's a pretty safe pick. Like there's not much under the hood that that show. Like he got better basically in every single category. Like the sing strike rate back backed up the the bump and strikeout rate. Um, the CSW creeped above thirty percent for the first time. Um, you know, all the ERA indicators were right in line with with what he did. Um, you know, sure, maybe it, there there may be some, you know, actual ERA. Um, actually, no, no, his actually he, he was pretty unlucky when it came to his ERA uh, uh, as opposed to his ERA indicators, right? So he had a three sixty six ERA. All of his, all, everything was lower than that as far as X ERA, FIP, X FIP Sierra. So, um, uh, maybe he was a little bit unlucky last year too, um, uh, which is crazy to think, but. Yeah, I mean, if if that's where you're you're taking an SP one and 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 feel comfortable doing so and need to get one of those quote unquote top ten guys, um, I don't see why Pablo Lopez shouldn't be it. Yeah, well said. He is uh, going one pick after Tyler Glass. Now, I would prefer him over Glass. Now, I, I think I agree. Just um, health wise, um, upside yes. sure, um, but. You know, you, you got to get your innings at that point, too. That has to be in consideration. Yep. Behind him, the starters are Aaron Nola, Tarek Skubal, who we'll be talking about on our next couple shows, guys. We're, we're talking to SPs for uh, for Steve and I. We're doing a part one and part two. So we're going to we're going to dive deep on a lot of these names. But, yeah, I, I like Freddie Peralta that's behind him. 15 picks there as well. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like. That's the thing is everything I'm reading off right now is at an ADP of 46. But with this moving up to 41 recently, to your point, to to level set for the whole show, Steve, like these are the trends that won't just magically stop, right? Like people will be fighting over each other to get Pablo Lopez throughout February and March. 
So like, where does this land? Probably early 30s, mid 30s? Yeah. I, I doubt it's going to stop. I, I think so. I think it'll be around there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Pablo Lopez. Not not much more. We both like him a lot. Uh, one that is probably going to be more uh, actionable, at least for our draft, Steve, is Bobby Miller, who is another one that, that both Eno and Nick Pollock love. They had the, the hilarious banter, uh, again, out at first pitch Arizona, where they were kind of arguing about Blake Snell. And then the, comically... You know, who had had a, a couple drinks and just came up from the crowd and, and was debating with Nick Pollock on fading Blake Snell. The way they settled the feud was just draft Bobby Miller. We all love Bobby Miller. So his ADP is on the rise from 87 up to pick 76. That's with a min pick of 63. I know that you're, you're a big Bobby Miller guy. Like the velocity is insane. He's got a very mature like pitch mix and it seems like he, he can go to so many different pitches. Uh, yes, I, I agree. He's a, he's an excellent pick, but I'm a little bit more timid on viewing him as an SP one for me, simply from like a volume standpoint. Um, maybe that's as much as this debate needs to be because when, when he's on, he looks like, you know, he's, he's got SP one, even top five potential. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my two cents on Bobby Miller. I'm just worried about the volume. I think I view this similar to how I view Yamamoto or, um, in the later rounds, Imanaga, that lack of innings, um, you know, the 124 and then projected 151 is what's holding his ADP back. And is the only thing, and I don't know if it should be. So I think that presents a buying opportunity, even with um, the 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 rise to ADP seventy six. Like if he you know looks like an ace, if he smells like an ace, if he throws like an ace, he's an ace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and I guess it was one thirty eight know. if you include the minors last sure. year. So one thirty eight. They got but you're um, saying and, if, and, if and you I'm, can count I think on he had it, a, yeah. a postseason a postseason start too. I would imagine um, at least one, um, mm-hmm. considering he went to the ALDS, right? Um, yeah, he had that bad one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, more innings, right? Um, so, I, I think the only thing that that inning total is doing is is keeping a cap um, uh, on how high Bobby Miller's being drafted. So. Um, if you believe in him, like there's no reason why you shouldn't take him is, is my sort of, uh, two cents. Okay. Yeah. This will be, this will be a good one for us to, to regroup on, on the, the SP special, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's just to me with, and I know he like made changes and improved stuff and like Nick being as, as deep in it as he is. I know that it's not as simple as the twenty, the sub twenty four percent K rate mm-hmm. last year, but it's just like track record is another thing. I would like potential volume is a question mark, and then you can't tell me track record's not a concern when we haven't even seen him, you know, complete a season with a twenty five percent K rate. Um, like that's that's where I'm. I know we had good stretches, but like all through the month of July. You know, it's six innings of four strikeouts, six innings of four strikeouts, six innings of four strikeouts. In August, it, it I, I know he was like, 
you, tweaking you do, and, and tinkering. You do have and, to do a bit of projection stuff. to his skills. Yes, that that's fair. But you're paying for that for sure. Yeah, you're paying for that. Um, but you know, I look to a, a 28% CSW um, in his first full big league season of learning how to do this, and first year where he, you know, had that many innings on his arm, learning how to do this at the major league level. Like, if this was his first year, um, you know, I could only see it getting better from here. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, there's. A lot of reason to be to be pumped about the the fastball the just yeah the curve he has every is, is he has fantastic. all the tools the changeup is tools. fantastic yeah. yeah okay well that's Bobby Miller um, moving on to a couple others this is a little bit more with with Sonny Gray going to the Cardinals very much based on kind of that new signing bump that we were talking about with Amonaga Sonny Gray moved from a 135 ADP up to a 120 ADP. Um, with a min pick of 98. So, yeah, 120. I mean, that's looking at like ninth, 10th round for Sonny Gray. And, I mean, the Cardinals, very, very good environment to pitch in. Uh, they've done a pretty good job in, in the past with some of these veterans. I know it's been a few years, but uh, Gray has – I know we talked about it recently, Steve, on one of our show intros – Spent a lot of time. It's been five years of really, really consistent good stuff from Sonny Gray. I think this is a bargain and one that won't be as pricey. Um, and as long as, again, kind of a different story to the volume with Sonny Gray, but as long as the volume is there, if he gets 175 innings, I think this is going to be a really good return on, on investment for like an SP3 or in your case, maybe an SP2. But <laughs> What do you think of, of Sonny Gray with the cards? And do you feel like this 120 feels right? Or would you go a little bit uh, lower, so to speak, like closer to 110 if you needed to for a Sonny Gray? Everything about the move, about um, you know how he pitched last year and the fact that he got 184 innings and was really good for all of that. Um, sure, maybe not a 279 ERA good, but definitely a serviceable starter good. Um Although there are some concerning um, indicators, it's like a three nine five Sierra, um, a three six nine XERA. So um, you know, pair that with you know the strikeout rate drop it drop from thirty percent in twenty twenty down to twenty four percent. It was twenty twenty nine in twenty nineteen in a larger sample. Um, so there there are some skills deterioration, um, but you know the move to the ballpark, the range isn't horrible. Um, for some reason in my mind, Sonny Gray only is good when he is like a back end pick 200, 250, uh, starter. Um, yeah, not like, like, he, like he was 60, heading into, like he was heading into like 2019 after the debacles with the Yankees. Um, and then at, like he was after the poor year, um, when he had 419 ERA, um, in Cincinnati in 2021 and then bounced back with the twins and then continued that in 2023 um mm-hmm. so in my mind like it's only like draft sunny gray when he goes late like if you if, you, if he has an expect expectations of draft day like it's it's no good but i know that's mm-hmm. not real analysis that's just uh, you know some unproven biases i have towards him but um you know we'll need uh, him to be the ace in st I, I louis I, I, he'll, he'll yeah. be opening day right? i don't know if like i'm not going to take him because i i, I think i want more upside um at, at that range 
um, and a 34-year-old guy that has a deteriorating K rate, um, despite the good ballpark, isn't really attractive to me. Um, but if he's like an SP3, SP4, I'd, I'm totally cool with it. Um, and get why there's a bump, right? It's a great park to pitch in. Um, you know, despite the Cardinals searching for pitching seemingly forever, they are pretty good with uh, with the veteran guys, right? Um, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with pitching half your games at Bush Stadium, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys usually work out for them. Like yep. the Lance Lynn yep. comes to mind. Uh, yeah, you know, Jordan Montgomery. Wayno. Yeah, Wayno. Extending yep. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, good defense as well. Uh, soft division, you'd probably say. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like the landing spot. Um, it's interesting. I would not feel good about him as a, an SB2, but I think if you go like in, uh, again, like a Yamamoto, a uh, Zach Eflin would be a fantastic SP2 in my opinion, and then Sonny Gray after that, like I think you could really solidify just have it like you're, you're removing some of that volatility so long as health is there. So mm-hmm. I, I do like it, but moving to another one that offers a lot more upside about 50 picks later, Brian Wu, who has jumped from an ADP of 195 up to 180 uh, and 127 min pick there. So pretty steep, but Wu came in with the Mariners and had a lot of buzz. If you remember, he had that brutal first outing where he gave up six runs in two innings, but then put together a handful of really nice starts throughout last season, ended up finishing with uh, 93 strikeouts over 87 innings. Uh, the ratios weren't ideal, but he kind of got better as the season went on. Um, so Brian Wu is is one that's getting a little bit of uh, momentum here and I'm on the I'm on board with this one Steve. I think this is the perfect kind of range in the draft and the perfect type of profile that I like to chase after and also a guy who has a, a great park environment as well. So I, I like Wu. What are your thoughts on uh, the young 23-year-old for the Mariners? Yeah, I th- I think it's a great um a, a, a great spot, a great... I, I'm all over him at that price. Um, I think that, you know, uh, the fact that the surface stats, the 421 ERA doesn't jump off the page, it's kind of like a one of those where, where la- last year you're like, eh, I hope he doesn't like have an ERA that creeps under three so the hype doesn't get too, too out of control. Right. Um, and it didn't. Like, you know, um, in 87 big league innings, he had a 25% strikeout rate. Um, manageable, um, 8.4% walk rate. Um, and you know, uh, combined between double a and the majors last year, he had, you know, uh, close to 130, um, close to hundred, uh, like 35 innings. So there shouldn't be too, too much of a, of a volume issue. And the Mariners have shown that they, they throw guys, uh, um, with, with, with all the, the, you know, with Logan Gilbert, with uh, George Kirby, like they're not afraid to push guys and and have a done a good job with these young arms. And I think Brian Wu is just another piece of that really, really strong young rotation in Seattle. Um, so I like Brian Wu a lot um, and think that's, even with the bump, uh, a, a fine price range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me let me peek out. I just want to see what what kind of num- names are going around him. So, 
Yeah, on the on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Chris Sale is going about ten picks in front of him, um, and then you know a couple picks after him is like a Shane Boz. Uh, you got Bryce Miller right in front, one pick in front of him, his teammate. Um, so man, that's a that's a fascinating part of the draft. Hunter Brown is in that same mix. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to like anoint Wu as the one to go after from that bunch, but I definitely it's know it's a good that bunch. It's that's a, a bunch, bunch I want to be. Yeah. I want to yeah. be getting like an SP five, yeah. somebody like that yeah. in that range, yeah. um, and maybe even just double up there because uh, that's yeah. Those are some really good names that I like there. This is why you take your hitters uh, early and then just double up on all these pitchers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This will be fun to do these uh, SP breakdowns. I'm already looking at these names <laughs> like, ooh, we got some uh, we got some categorizing to do, Steve. <laughs> And I don't think we've 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 never actually done formal SP ranks, have we? No, no, we we haven't. And I don't know if I ever really want to do that. That sounds like an <laughs> extremely daunting task to update uh, it for sure. But I, yeah. I think we could do a little like, uh, yeah, at least in the moment, right? Sure, so sure. we could see where All we're right, off. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I like that. Maybe we we do that for uh, or something uh, of that elk uh, for our two parter coming up here. I like it. Okay. Well, yeah, we got um, you know some other names on the on the rundown here, Steve. But there was a lot of movement for relief pitchers. I don't yes. know if you wanted to breeze through those. Um, um, I think and it's just kind of group I, these. Or? I think it's a good way to sort of gauge the market and like keep names in mind, um, especially if you're drafting now for drafting holds. Like these are guys that are like speculated or like have a closer role. Um, Kimbrel side with the Orioles, he should be the closer there. So he rose. He was a riser. Um, with Kimball gone, Alvarado is the assumed closer in um, in Philadelphia. Um, Matt Brash, uh, I don't know if there's been news there, but it's it's an interesting piece. Like maybe also there's some potential try him as a starter again. Um, if not, maybe closer. I know they have um, um, some options there um, in Seattle, but. Um, I could definitely see him taking the role. Um, mm-hmm. Mason Miller uh, has been rumored to be a closer, which is awesome, but also like, no, I really want Mason Miller to be a starter. Um, Robert Stevenson, I don't think he's signed with the team yet. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but he's also like an assumed closer no matter where he goes. And then here's a great name that I love um, and a lot of people love and a lot of people saw him in the playoffs, how good he was. Another guy in Philadelphia, Orion Kerkering, um, a guy who just came up and had unbelievable stuff out of the bullpen for the Phillies. Um, and with Kimbrel gone, I definitely think could have a, a shot um, at the closer job. But um, looking at those guys and look, looking yeah. at risers among relief pitchers, like it's a good way to tap in like a, uh, a, a cheat sheet to the closer market, I think. Mm-hmm. Robert Stevenson is not signed yet as well. So, yeah, and I like Kirkering as, as a great name. So, yeah, very, very good just context there that these are the names to, to have on the radar. And, of course, there's an inverse with all these. Like it's uh, Yanir Cano, right, on, yep. on the Orioles yep. that everyone is so excited about with Kimbrell coming over. He's, you know, dropped, which makes sense. Um, I guess just to, to breeze through on the flip side, the negative side of the ADP fallers, Steve, we don't have time to go through all of these, but I'll just kind of list them off. And if you want to just add uh, two cents on any of these or any any big takeaways, but 
Uh, Eloy is is top of the charts with the ADP falling from 204 down to 237. Josh Young with a J on the Rangers from 86 to 103. Hunter Green from 119 to 136. Uh, Jordan Lawler, 243 to 276. I didn't know if that was news related or what the deal was there uh, with the D-backs, but Lawler is definitely one of those prospects everyone's excited about. Uh, Max Scherzer falling from 120 to 148. MJ Melendez quite a bit, but deep in the 200s. Uh, Shane Bieber from 164 to 183. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, 147 to 165. I will be in. Um, you will find me there grabbing him as a util. Uh, youngster Wyatt Langford from 136 to 154. Uh, Lance Lynn moving backwards despite the Cardinals news from 282 to 296. And then Lars Newtbar, this was music to my ears, Steve, moving from 194 to 208. Even with Tyler O'Neill getting shipped off, the, the Newtbar uh, ADP moving the other direction. And he was pretty good last year. Like, that is a, a zone I will be happy to take Newt, especially with what outfield looks like. But, uh, yeah, any any thoughts, big picture on all these or anything you wanted to add on any of the individuals? Lawler, maybe a reaction to... Um the Eugenio Suarez trade with Seattle now that he came okay. over. There isn't um, an exact spot. Sure, maybe he could take uh, Geraldo Perdomo. And I know um, Lawler was up but didn't really play much. I don't think he played much in the playoffs either. Um, but That's right. Didn't look great. You know, um, but that also could be like a, a good opportunity. Like, don't forget how good of a prospect Jordan Lawler is. And just because it doesn't look like he has a role now. Uh, it's a, a, a that eighty that that press price could be interesting. Um, yeah, I'm with you on Newpar. Like everyone's sleeper, our favorite sleeper last year, um, all the way down to a pick two hundred. It's like I love that. Um, talk about like a post hype thing. Um, even like Wyatt Langford, like you know, uh, whenever there's a prospect going sort of the other way. Um, I know that a lot of time that has to do with, with playing time concerns. Um, but I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's nice when you're able to grab that high end of a prospect later on in the draft, rather than having to pay up um, in like the fourth round. Um, I know there's, there's good reasons why a lot of those guys go super high. Um, but it's nice to have flyers like that with, with guys that have high skills. And then overall, like, you know, I'm not saying I'm in on like Shane Bieber, but, there's some opportunities with like Hunter Green. I think is, is interesting still. Lance Lynn. Um, I know um, Scherzer had uh, an injury that 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 coincides with that, um, and maybe out until I think they said May or June. Um, so that's concerning. But um, Hunter Green, Lance Lynn, like those are still guys that I think I, I'm interested in, and I think have more upside as opposed to just uh, you know completely fading them or or you know um throwing them out of, out, of, out of sight out of mind um maybe more so in green's case than lynn but i still like lynn as like a last starter pick for sure you think uh you think it's over for for eloy in terms of uh fantasy <sighs> relevance i don't know it's just i i totally understand why um because like you know, he always had the injury concern, but like yeah. whenever he played, he hit. Like couple that with, you know, a pretty mediocre year with the bat. 
um, and also being injured, like I I understand I understand the fade. Um, Has it gone too far? Two thirty seven. I mean, it's tough, man. I mean, the average is still good. I know it's singles and like a lot of grounders. There should be more power there. Who knows what he played through last year? Yeah, I mean, eighteen or what was it? Uh, It was eighteen homers in one hundred twenty-seven, one hundred twenty games, four hundred fifty-six at bats. But I guess it's kind of hard to say. You know, that's a that's twenty-five thirty pop because he just like is he going to play that often? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that's he's he's got to get moved from Chicago. Like it's just a horrible, um, yeah, it's toxic for team sure. environment there. Um, they also like play him in the outfield way too much. Um, but I had him on like my main team last year, and like it seemed like he like came up limping on like every single ground ball. Oh yeah, and like he oh, was yeah. definitely like playing through his like bad Yahoo chat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. His Yahoo chat was brutal. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, you know? yeah. it was a tough uh, year for him. But maybe it's got too far. Age 27. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know. It's going to be pretty hard for me to pass up uh, on Eloy when we get to, like, like you're t- telling me some names around. I mean, I guess Kelnick is there. Yeah. The quality contact fell off, too. Like, it yeah. was the worst power rate, worst hard hit, um, worst average exit velocity. Um, or not worse, but we had a ninety point five in twenty twenty one, ninety point nine this mm-hmm. year. Uh, launch angle was down. Um, uh, so yeah, there's still some good hitters around there, I guess. Yeah, uh, just different different types. Like you got a Jack Sawinski, or we talked about Tyler O'Neill. Um, so yeah, maybe that's fair. I mean, you just can't rely on them. No. So if you can't rely on them, then. It's kind of like what's the point? Comes with like the biggest injury concern out of all those guys that you just mentioned. Maybe yeah, Tyrell yeah. Neal has a case, but not as much. I would even say, for sure. Okay, well that that rounds us out, guys. Uh, again, hope you had a fantastic and are having a fantastic holiday season. Uh, just some housekeeping stuff. We will be uh, releasing this, of course, and then in January we're scheduled to have an episode out on January 11th which should be starting pitchers part one. And then January 25th, we'll be starting starting pitchers part two. It'll be like and, an our guys yeah. starting pitching episode, you know, like our, our yeah, starting yeah. pitcher targets sort of. Yeah, uh, that'll be jam-packed yeah, with yeah. like who, who we're liking and who we like more than ADP and who we're yes. fading. So, yeah, it won't just be, uh, you know, kind of going down the laundry list. Um, so, yeah, excited about that. And then uh, before we know it, we'll have we'll have some drafts to talk about, Steve. I, I definitely think we'll get one in January. So very excited. Uh, it feels like uh, we're starting to get a little shape of the, the draft rooms. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for my home league stuff, man. It's, uh, it starts getting real. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm extremely jealous. We got to do... I gotta get my home league to do some sort of winter banquet or winter meetings. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Winter meetings, you get the trophies. Yeah. I usually put together a PowerPoint, you know, just <laughs> recapping. Like I, what I'll what I'll do is what I call like the six back, and I I put their finishes of the last six seasons, so you can kind of see like, oh, this guy's been in purgatory, finishing like eighth or ninth every single year, and then other guys are like, man. He's been 13th up to 1st, up to 12th. You know, it's it's fun to 
kind of look at the uh, the legacy stuff. I gotta hire you that for for our home link for that. That sounds like a, a really good. Oh, dude! I mean, I could. I'll, I'd at least send you, <laughs> or, or, or if if we get to a point where we're doing video podcasts, I'll even give give the the listeners like a, a brief screen share or something because it's hilarious. That's dude. great. Like it's got I love it. Player lookalikes and everything. So I love it. Gotta love it. We we adore the game. So uh, yeah, thank you guys again, and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, you guys can find us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight. If you guys could leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys listen, that would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, uh, happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Later.